Welcome to the Scrum.org Community Podcast, a podcast from the home of Scrum. In this podcast, we feature professional Scrum trainers and other Scrum practitioners sharing their stories and experiences to help learn from the experience of others. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, and welcome to the Scrum.org Community Podcast. I'm your host, Dave West. Um, this is a podcast from the home of Scrum. And uh, we normally feature, you know, professional Scrum trainers, customers that are using professional Scrum. And today we're very fortunate to have with us uh, uh, two professional Scrum trainers and one member of the Scrum.org team um, to talk about a new book that they've written called The Professional Agile Leader, Professional Agile Leader. So I'm, I'm excited to learn a little bit of, about this book from the, from the authors and share some of those um observations with you all because leadership is it's hard right so um so i'd like to welcome kurt bittner welcome to the podcast kurt and uh lawrence bonnema uh, welcome to the podcast and then ron Iranga, uh great people we've got people from colorado and the netherlands uh it's going to be an international podcast all round gentlemen thank you for taking the time to talk to us today you're welcome. Thanks, Dave. We appreciate it. Yeah. Great. Great. Now, as you, you can hear, there's a few of us on this on this podcast. So sometimes we may speak over each other. Just uh, you know what it's like. Even though we've had three years of using Zoom continuously, uh, practice makes perfect, right? Um, so the first question, and and Ron, I'll 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 hit you up on this because um, just just because, uh, and hopefully everybody will butt in and, and provide some in, interesting perspective on this. But professional agile leadership, yeah. in a nutshell, what is it? That's the name of the book, but what is it? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, actually. And I think it kind of would be the summary of, of, of the book uh, right away in this question is that I think it would start with why organizations are adopting agility in the first place, which is a lot of the reasons are, are improving time to market, dealing with changing priorities, increasing productivity, that kind of stuff, right? So that's that's the reasons why many organizations start adopting agility. So if you talk about the professional agile leader, uh, I think it's all the people that are helping organizations to accomplish these results. So, uh, what What is the leadership style that you need to accomplish that? And I think everything is ingrained in the fact that organizations are trying to set up an organization that is more team-based, that is more based on decision-making within teams that you could actually uh, use that, that team-based decision-making to improve this time to market, to, to deal with these changing priorities faster. Because I think the decisions need to be taken there where you know most of the knowledge is, which is inside the teams that are developing the products or the services that the many organizations build nowadays. So I think it's the ability of the leader to understand how to build teams that are really capable of self-managing, right? We use that term in the Scrum Guide as well. Um, self-managing teams, it's, it's a concept that, you know, many organizations talk about, but if you look at their capabilities of really self-managing, uh, I think that's where the, the leader comes in. How do you facilitate an environment where teams can really self-manage? And I think that's what, what agile leadership is all about to me. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, the people centric element, the self management, the bottom up intelligence, you know, all of those things are a little different or quite a lot different. So yeah. I guess what 
talking about differences, because I think that's a really nice way to position something. What's different, and, and, and maybe Lawrence, you can talk about this or answer this. What's the difference between traditional leadership and agile leadership? You know, uh, what, what, what would be the juxtaposition, you know, that you could see like, oh, that one's red and that one's green. What, what is the yeah. difference? I feel like at the, the, the ends of that spectrum, right? So from a really classical, more dominant style leader that, that would be on the one end of that journey that we describe in the book as well, that one of the managers, actually multiple of those leaders there take, um, it's, a, it's an environment where it's normal to essentially tell people what to do. Uh, also where that's not frowned upon at all, right? It's, it's, it's actually a good thing. It's a system that's optimized for that type of leadership behavior as well. That's what, that's why those leaders act that way. And if you want to create teams that are more self-managing and, and take on a lot more responsibility, that also means that they need to grow and you need to grow either with them or a little, little bit in front of them. Even you need to realize that you need to take the same journey. Uh, and so a leader cannot get stuck in the position that I just described. They need to also take the team on that journey as they take the journey themselves and then guide them towards a more autonomous style of acting that requires letting go a servant leadership. I'd like to call it more supportive leadership than servant leadership because it's it's really that you're nurturing the team to a situation where you can effectively just let go and only need to step in when, when something's going sideways or something. You don't really need to do a lot of dominant telling them what to do anymore. Um, and of course, if people are used to that, they also deserve a leader that comes with them on the path, so to speak. That's what we describe in the book as well. Um, so the whole journey, not just being there, not just who you need to become, and then magically you become that, but it's, it's really going from that one end to a more supportive style of leadership. So that sounds super difficult because, uh, you know, I, I'm instantly struck with the idea that you, you start doing, you know, you start, you say, okay, we want everybody to be servant leader, you know, you, we want to introduce servant leadership, we want to basically be self-managed, oh, hang on a minute, I'm going to tell you to be self-managed, you know, which is actually the opposite of servant leadership, oh, hang on, so I'm going to be a servant leadership, so I'm going to allow you to do it, but you don't want to be self-managed, it's, how, how do you even go about this, I don't know, Kurt, I, I, you know, you've got, lots of experience i'm not saying you're old that's always awful to say it like that but you've had lots of experience doing that how do you do it whilst not doing it whilst doing it where, where do you begin i guess is a simple question well i think that the the really key thing to understand is that it's not you don't go through like a, a complete state change overnight that this is a journey that as lauren said that that the the leaders are on and the teams are on. And so, you know, in a sense that the worst thing you could do as a leader would be to just go to a team and say, okay, today, you know, yesterday you were traditionally managed, today you're self-managed and, you know, good luck. Um, and uh, so it's really a, a sense of that the leader has the responsibility to help that team grow their self-management. And that might start very small with, with you know, essentially small decisions. And that is they gain confidence and they gain expertise in making those decisions. And they, and they learn how to, to be more transparent with each other and the rest of the organization. Then 
then, then you know, they, they take on more responsibility and more responsibility. So, so it's a gradual transition from a state of, you know, essentially we're not, we're not self-managed to we're becoming more self-managed to eventually perhaps we're, we're completely self-managed. And there's a series of levels and you can think of it as a series of levels of, of um, sort of maturity. I, I don't really like that word maturity, but but there, there's the, but in, in this case, I think it really works. Is that you know they 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 have to mature their own capabilities, and it's the leader who and, and we actually talk at one point in the book about a catalytic leadership style. It's the leader who acts as a catalyst for helping the team to learn how to do those things. And that's, that's really the key. It, it really is a journey. And each team has to be on that journey themselves. You can't just like all of a sudden turn it on for everybody. So every team has a different starting point, a different ending point. And um, you know, one, one of the first things that the leader can do is help the team form itself. Instead of assigning people to the team, let the team choose its own members. That's, all, that's the most fundamental decision that a team can make. And yet, if you don't let the team do that, you, you really cripple them from, from being able to mature later on. So anyway, we, there's lots of talk about this, but anyway, that's the thing. So it's, it's, it's a learning journey for everyone, and, uh, and, and the leader is really kind of a catalyst for that. I think what struck me from the book, and I, I was fortunate enough to read it when it was still being developed so I could I'd write the, the forward and and it's uh, it's an awesome book it's got some awesome diagram it's just it's, it's a great book well one thing that's that st that stood out to me was this journey element and you use up stories and to to really illustrate this and to make it many of the books on leadership that I read very much talk about it as a state and what you said, Kurt, I think really sums it up. It's not a, a flipped switch, which is very hard to say. It isn't a flip switch. It is a gradual set of realizations and muscle memory development that has to happen. And, um, I, I, and I think that's incredibly hard, but also incredibly rewarding. But how do you ensure you're going, and, and this is, you know, Ron, maybe, I know we're sort of doing a bit of a round robin here and I apologize. And, uh, if, if you don't want to answer this, Ron, you don't have to, but how do you know you're going in the right direction as you go through it? You talk a little bit about this in the book and you have some signposts and stuff and metrics and talked about, but maybe our listeners would be really interesting. You know, you've started that process that either through self-organization, you've got a team, you're starting, how do you know you're going in the right direction? What are those signposts on the journey that mean you haven't got lost? Yeah, that's a very interesting question, actually. Um, maybe to answer the question would be to, well, not use the story from the book itself, because that, uh, of course, I will take away all the reading fun uh, for people. But just to, to dig into <laughs> yeah. to, to one of my own experiences. So how do you know that that, that we're moving forward with this is, when well, I've I've seen situations, for example, in the COVID period, when I was a manager myself, and in that period, where I, I was working from home, right, uh, and the, there's a lot of problems that the team needed to fix. Um, being their manager, I could only stand there and uh, look at the sideline and what they were doing. And and that the moment that you see teams take that responsibility, regain the trust that they might have lost in the past, because that's what I see a lot, right? Many organizations tell me. The reason why they're doing Agile also is because business and IT needs to work together. And I think yeah. that moment where teams 
you know, pay, take that responsibility, go to their business departments, go to their other departments in the organization and involve everyone to, to actually build real valuable products. When they take that responsibility and actually deliver, that's the moment where you know, that's, that's where the fun begins, right? Um, and as a leader, uh, I, I've seen many, many leaders, peers uh, in the past that, that, you know, when moments got tough, they stepped in and they started to, to move everything around and started to, to manage everything. But at the moment that team members start doing that, uh, even before you could even think of, of taking action, I think that's, that's the moment where things become magical, I think. So that for me would be the right moment. Uh, it, it's funny that you said this. And I, as, as a leader, I have said a phrase, I don't like surprises. I've relearned really that I've got to forget that because actually I do like surprises, good ones. <laughs> when uh, my teammates have, now you could argue what's good and what's bad and all surprises are good. You just have to inspect and adapt and improve the next surprise, right? But the, um, when, when I had teammates, you know, people that I've worked with that have done things that I'm like, oh my God, I didn't think you would should do that. Wow. And, you've, and that, that's when, that's a great signpost. Yeah. Um, but it means that you have to sort of like, and I think Lawrence, you said this, right? You have to sort of give up control. What, what uh, can be uncomfortable, and and the book talks a, quite a lot about this. There's sort of like that thread throughout that uncomfortableness. Mm, Lawrence, what yes. do you think about giving up control and being uncomfortable? I I, I don't like being uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, and and that's actually uh, even though, of course. You can, you can go harsh about this, and, and a lot of leadership books actually do this. Right? You're not supposed to feel comfortable at all. It'll really grow, and um, so therefore embrace it. Embrace that discomfort. And in a sense, that is true. However, also the, the notion of, of losing that control, it doesn't mean that control then ends, right? So that there's no control anymore. And that's what people fear. And leaders, of course, we tend to forget this, but leaders are also people. And when they fear the loss of control, um, because they don't know that they're going to get lots more in return, then, then, then you, you tend to, to hold on to it. And the thing is, you're not losing control. You're giving control to the people that work with you. That's a concept from David Marquet's book on, 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 on leadership. Yeah. Uh, but I, and I really like that notion because that's, in essence, what we do as agile leaders. You give control to other people. So control is not lost, right? So right there, no fear. Uh, especially if you do it right. So if you make sure that people know, so within these boundaries, within this bounded environment for action, you, you get, you have full control and I trust you to make the right decision. And if you don't, that's the nasty surprise, of course, right, that you mentioned, uh, then let's figure out how to make better decisions. But probably I would have made the same mistake as a leader. Now, having that actually gives you as a leader, much more control because now everybody's thinking about making the right decisions, not just you. So the net result of this is way better decisions being taken much faster. And that, in the end, to my mind, is what agile leadership is really about. I think there's, I, there's one additional sorry, thing, Kat. too. That, um, so when, when we use vocabulary like losing control, um, it's, it's a very kind of negative um, reinforcement. And I think one of the keys for agile leaders is to realize that in giving up control, they amplify their influence and they amplify the, their ability to 
to get the things done that they want to get done. And so the more the agile leader can empower that team and help them grow to take on new things, as you, as you mentioned, Dave, you know, you, you know, a good surprise is you, you see how creative someone could be about solving a particular problem or, or achieving something. Well, you get everybody's creativity sort of leveraged in that. And the Agile leader has great influence over uh, helping the team achieve those great results, much greater than the team could have achieved if the, Agile le if the leader pre-Agile um, had to direct everybody in what they were doing. So I, I think it's that, that, you know, that the Agile leader, and once they realize that they, their influence is amplified by this team self-management, it, it really is liberating. Um, but you have to, you have to first, it's, it's like swimming. You have to learn to let go of the side of the pool in order to, to sort of achieve that greater thing that you want to do. And, and so that amplification of influences, maybe that it's the carrot, you know, the losing control is, is the stick perhaps. And the carrot is the, uh, is, is amplifying the influence. And, and that I, I think is, is really powerful for people once they grasp I think. I think it, and, and basically it's the position that you start with, with respect to trust. I think that, you know, I think you even said this in, in the book, you assume, assume trust rather than assume not, rather than earn trust. That phrase earning trust, I think is, 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 is totally anathema against a lot of the principles. I trust my people and I care about them and I want to, help them and i and when things go wrong we we go it's us going wrong together which we can learn from and then maybe not do it again um i think that that was a theme i saw that sort of modern leadership around trust which the industrial paradigm is the exact opposite we don't trust anybody we break down work to the smallest unit we ensure we assume that everybody's lazy i think is even a phrase that um, one of those, whether it's Gantt or one of those Taylor used, right? Don't trust anybody, they're all lazy. And that, that is not the case. And I think that agile leadership, you know, leans into that with a, with a, with a, um, a lot of energy. So we're coming to the end of, we'd like to keep these podcasts short and we could talk for hours. And I'm hoping that we'll have another one that maybe drills into maybe some of the characteristics that of an agile leader some of the sort of more detailed things but but today I, I wanted to keep it very much focused on the overview of what agile leadership is so if you were you know the list the listener here, if you were going to say one thing that you can take from this book that would be useful for you one thing um what would that thing be what would that thing is that you that you would that you would share with our with our listeners today you know um who wants to start how about lawrence what do you think the one thing that you could leave our leader readers with lead listeners with yeah. oh I, I would say as everything it's a journey and uh give yourself the gift of allowing yourself to learn right so instead of wanting oh. to do leadership perfectly Yes, yeah, an admission that you're not perfect and you will learn and that vulnerability, just to quote Brene Brown, obviously she loves a bit of vulnerability, but is actually a really useful 
characteristic that you can that can actually serve you in purpose and obviously the book reinforces that and talks about that Kurt what would what would you be your sort of agile leadership the one thing I think so the challenge for agile leaders is that they have to recognize that they are embedded they're currently embedded in the system which reinforces and rewards them for traditional behaviors and that is so ingrained in their probably subconscious that that to, to be open to let's say you know, I wouldn't use the word mistake, but basically, I, I love this phrase that um, one of my former managers used, and said, the facts are friendly. So there, there's no such thing as bad information, it's just information. So to be open to say, oh, you know, okay, that wasn't what I expected, but let's, you know, what, what can we learn from this? Um, we can say that all we want, but, but it's, you know, it's been conditioned into, you know, traditional organization leaders that, you know, that's a bad, you know, lack of predictability is a bad thing. So I think that, you know, like Lauren said, they have to give themselves, in a sense, permission to be open to working in a new way. And when they recognize that, oh, I'm, that makes me a little discomfort, uh, uncomfortable, that they, they sort of push through that and say, okay, well, you know, this is an opportunity to learn. So I think that it's, it's, a, it's a related thing. It's, it's you know, a journey, but it's also something you have to recognize that almost everything you've been taught is leading you in a different direction and you have to consciously um, try to you know, work around that. Yes, yeah, so I think the realization that from school, from kindergarten onwards, we're being conditioned to work in an industrial system and in an industrial paradigm and to accept that there is something a little different and to challenge some of those status quo ideas is, is I think very liberating and, uh, and and really empowering. Now, Ron, you've been left with a short straw here. Sorry, Ron, <laughs> the last one. You've got some awesome ideas from, uh, from Lawrence and Kurt. Ooh. Anything to add to that? Um, yeah, so I was thinking about that. That's the good thing. You know, you asked a question, so I had most time to think about it. Um, uh, <laughs> if you ask me why I wanted to write this book, in the first place is because I see many of the organizations out there so much focused on structure only like, you know, what is our backlog? What is our portfolio? What is the structure that we need? What's the HR system? All the kind of cold stuff, you know, we often refer to zombie scrum, that kind of practices, but a lot of organizations are, are focusing on structure. And I think um, uh, an agile transformation can only be successful when structure and culture go hand in hand. So what we've done in the book, is we, we, we took a deep dive into also how do you change your leadership behavior, your, your mindset? How do you influence mindset in, in an organization? So how do you deal with the cultural changes that, that uh, uh, you will bounce into when you go into an agile transformation? So besides the structure stuff, obviously we should also mention like, you know, how do you transfer the structure in your organization? Um, how do you change the culture alongside? because they go hand in hand, right? You know, this, this, this statement from Peter Drugger, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Uh, that's basically what we talk about in the book as well. Uh, and, and the case study in our book describes all the difficulties that you will bounce into, uh, especially if you talk about culture, when you try to introduce new structures in your organization. So uh, 
Yeah, that's that's basically the reason why we wanted to write the book is to break through this structure only focus that many of the large corporates have when they try to introduce agile to their organization. So um, yeah, I think that would be my takeaway for it. Awesome. Gentlemen, thank you for taking the time today. It's a great book uh, for our listeners. I, I recommend it. Um, just go past the forward, which was obviously written by myself, but and then go into the real book, which is brilliant. Um, I think the the narrative style, the story, the case study, the examples that you use, the way in which you then step back and sort of look at it, is is quite refreshing in terms of style. And uh, I I learned a lot from it. Um, I'm not sure I'm able to always execute some of those things, but I'm trying. Every day is an opportunity, right? Uh, so thank you for that. So I appreciate that um, for helping me get better in my job. And um, thank you for taking the time. So this is Dave West here, the host of the Scrum.org Community Podcast. Um, Thank you for listening. Uh, I think this will warrant another conversation. We're talking to Kurt Bittner, Lawrence Bonema, Ron Erringer uh, about a new fabulous book from the Professional Scrum Series called Professional Agile Leader. Um, please get this from your local bookstores now or if you want on Amazon and other media outlets as, as well. So thank you everybody for listening, for tuning in today. And thank you for, uh, for Ron, um, Lawrence and uh, Kurt. Bye-bye everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.